Take your Bible to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to look at more than just the traditional verse that people look at when we go to Isaiah 40. There's one that's probably hanging on your wall at your house. Uh, a lot of people um, use that and, and cards and letters and, and just uh, it, it's a famous verse, but I want to look at the verses around it. And uh, last week we, I started this short series on, on running on empty because it, it pretty much describes most people that I know of. I mean, just go, 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 give, 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 and get worn out. You run out of steam. I, I, I kind of went back through the scriptures last week. We looked at Elijah, looked at Moses, looked at David, looked at um, even Isaiah, looked at Job, um, of different people that testified of getting that point, saying, I'm just done, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm weary. And the Bible gives a lot of illustrations. We, we even took it as far, I, I read some testimonies from D.L. Moody, um, different people like that that came out and said, yeah, I, I've hit the times that I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was exhausted, I was frustrated. And uh, we, we read how uh, Elijah said, Lord, it is enough, take away my life. Uh, Moses said, Lord, kill me, I pray thee, out of thy hand, because I can't handle this. Uh, David said, I'm sinking deep in the mire. I'm overwhelmed. Um, I, I can't keep up. Um, but where does this lead? It, it does. You can only go so long by giving, 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 and not refilling your life till you get to the point where you are depressed. You're just like, man, I, you get to the point where you don't care. Uh, the, the curse of this world, like we looked at Genesis 3.16, he said, thorns and thistles shall bring forth and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and sweat shall be on thy face. And I mean, he just went in and just said, that's life. life you know, sweat is symbolism of give, give, give. Work, 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 and it's going to come out of you. And, and God just said, here's the thing about life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to pull out of you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to drain you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take from you. That's what life does. And it, You know this on a practical daily level where you get up and you go to work and you come home and you throw the laundry in there and you try to get something on the stove for dinner and you're trying to get the kids and the homework done and all that and by the end of the day you just step back and say man I'm I'm exhausted I'm I'm spent I'm ready for bed we we've got to get to the point of understanding restoration when things get off like this and you get weak or out of balance or however you want to put it uh when your car runs out of gas it's not going anywhere until you put gas back in it there's dangers to this. I think I put this in your outline this morning. Um, the, the reason why I'm doing this is because when you get exhausted, you don't see clearly. You guys, you guys know that. You, you don't see clearly. You can be in a really good job and work, 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 and to the point where you start getting sloppy. You get, you get to the point where you just say, I don't care anymore. Man, I, 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 you're getting fired. I don't care. I, I hope I do get fired. You don't mean that. You, you, you get that way with your kids or your marriage. I'm telling you, you get to the point where you don't see clearly. Here you are, got an incredible blessing, and you got these kids and all the joy of the Lord and stuff, and you just get to the point where it's like, man, I don't even want to try it anymore. Whoa, whoa, that's a bad place to get when you have the blessings of God in there. and You get to the point where you just say, I don't care anymore. But then the, the other thing is not only do you not see clearly, because you come, uh, become a victim of Satan because you are too weak to fight. Now you think about all the things that the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's, if you've ever fought just keeping your hands up in that, if you've ever done boxing or karate or anything like that, that's exhausting. 
And sometimes when you get too weak to fight, what happens is you drop your guard. And this isn't just me throwing out an illustration. No, when he said, you better put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand. Meaning if you do not guard yourself, put up your guard, you're not going to stand. You are going to fall. You're going to get punched. You're going to get knocked out. Because Satan is a roaring lion, is seeking whom he may devour. Now, guys, if we were to use God's illustration of the lion seeking whom whom he may devour, and you were to watch any kind of National Geographic film or documentary on TV, they're going to show you a couple of things. They go after the weak. When they they get the herd going, what they're going to jump on is the ones that are too weak to keep up with everybody else. And what happens in church oftentimes is, man, you're just so exhausted that you run behind, you get out of church, you get out of fellowship, you get out of the word of God, you don't have the stamina and Satan will jump on your back. And you say, what does that look like? Well, in reality, if you're imagining this cheater or this lying or whatever, jumping on the back of a zebra or gazelle or whatever, you can imagine it's different in real life. It's a matter of Satan waiting for you to get to the point in your marriage where you just say, I- I'm-, I'm too tired to even talk tonight and work it out. I'm too tired to try to share my feelings. I'm too tired to fight with them again. I don't care. You sweep it under the carpet. You just do that to the point where Satan's just going, I'm waiting for you just to get off to the side. I'm waiting for that one opportunity and then I'm, I'm going to jump on you. So let's talk about refueling, however you want to put it. I, I couldn't come up with a real good lesson title for today. Refueling makes sense, running on empty refueling, refreshing. Uh, you know, we're going to look at how God guides us to the still waters and says, drink. You're not going any further, you're going to drink. That's what you're going to do right now. And it's not up to you to decide whether you need it or not. The shepherd knows best and he's going to do that. So, so refreshing, refueling, uh, renewing. That's in there. God says, renew your strength. We see that over and over again. There's all these different phrases, but whatever it is, he's saying you better get back up to par if you're going to go any further. Isaiah 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them by name, by the greatness of his might, for that he is a strong in power. Not one faileth. He's, he's, he's saying, I'm, I'm going to get to how you guys get weak and weary and tired. But he starts, in, in a sense, bragging on his strength. He's, he's saying, let me tell you who I am. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God... The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Man, he just puts him on this level and said, let me tell you about God. God doesn't get worn out. He doesn't get exhausted when he says, cast your care upon him or they that wait upon the Lord or everything. He is just clearly defining God can handle whatever you're going through. God can. He doesn't get exhausted like you do. Now, here's the promise. Verse 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Now, I mean, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty cool promise. He said, to those that are weary, God just put out a promise and said, I give them strength. So I don't know how tired you are, 
I don't know how weary you are or how ready you are to give up. I'm going to promise you, I'm going to tell you from God's lips, from God's word today. He said, I have strength and I can give it to you and I can make you strong when you are weak. So wherever you're at, you're just saying, man, it's not going to work. Then you don't understand what God is saying here. So he said the word faint. Faint means tired. Faint means weary. He said, let me describe it. And he said, well, I, for the people that say, man, I can handle this. Man, I, I, I've got a groove. I, I, I've got a way of running things. He said, even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. He said, I don't care who you are. You can take an athlete. That, a perfect illustration, if you watch the Olympics and you see these guys that are probably in the ultimate shape on the face of the planet. I mean, that's, that's what we do. We sh- Every country ships their ultimate examples of strength and, and endurance to, to these races. And they run a mile or two miles or, or, you know, all the different crazy things that they do. And they're done. I, I promise you, I don't care how fit they are. At the end of it, they're doing this and they're trying to catch their breath. And, and God said, let me tell you, I don't care who you are as a human being. Even the young people are going to run and they're going to get worn out. Two things that he used there. Faint means grow weary again. You can't go, go, go without eventually slowing down, okay? The batteries are going to be drained and you're going to stop. To be weary is the same word as exhausted that we would use today. He said, even the young men will get to the point they're exhausted. Everyone gets there. But look at verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You talk about a promise. Now, we're going to get into more some of the application of this next week because we went from what drains us to looking at today about refueling or refreshing. And next week, I want to talk about maintenance. Same thing in a car. If your car gets to the point where it's barely running and you take it into the shop and you say, hey, it's, it's barely you know, making it down the road. Not only do we want to get it back up to par, But I want to put it on a schedule. I want want to put regular things in my life that are going to keep me going. Because the Christian life should not be this to this, to this to this. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where you go, 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 and then it's like, man, I missed church for four weeks. I I haven't read my Bible. I'm not praying. And then you get under conviction. You get all excited. And then it's just this roller coaster ride. The Christian life should not be a roller coaster ride. Is life filled with ups and downs? Absolutely. But I tell you, God doesn't say, well, I'm with you today and I'm going to take a break tomorrow. God doesn't do that. So we shouldn't be weak all the time. So here's the thing that got me. They that wait upon the Lord. Wait. Wait meaning do nothing. You know what I'm saying? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So, Lord, I'm exhausted. So you're saying step back and do nothing. Wouldn't that be great? Just call into work tomorrow and say, hey, I can't be there today. I'm, I'm just going to stay home and wait on the Lord. They'd be like, well, what time is he going to be there? I don't know. But uh, the Bible says just to not do anything until I get my strength back. L- let me give you the meaning of what the word wait means. The word wait means to bind together, perhaps by twisting, uh, bringing strength to. The, the Ecclesiastes, when it says a, a cord of three will not be easily broken, it, it's tied into the same thing. It, it means to gather together, to wait upon, to, uh, to bind together. So I started thinking, what does that mean? It, it means God's saying, you can't do it without me. It's not just a matter of waiting on God. It's the idea of having patience. 
It means the idea of saying, Lord, I, I need you to come alongside of me and do this with me. I, I had, uh, we went on vacation this past summer, and uh, we got really behind before we went on vacation, so we didn't, I like leaving on vacation and having the grass perfectly cut, and, you know, all that other stuff, just so everything's up to par. Well, I didn't have that done, and it rained, rained, rained like crazy while we were gone. It was like September. We got back, and our grass, front yard, backyard looked like a, you know, we could have bailed hay. I mean, it was just like really bad. I was embarrassed, you know, to even come back and know my neighbors were looking at that all the time. So I did what any good guy would do. I sent my kids out to take care of it. That's what I did. And uh, you guys know, the older you get, the more wisdom you have of how to handle situations. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've cut long grass before. I know what you need to do. Uh, I, I would go out there and raise the wheels all the way up, and I'd cut it once, and then I'd rake that, and then I'd lower it a little more, and I'd cut it at another angle, and I would only cut little slivers at a time. I'm not going to just charge into the grass. There's, there's something you do to make it happen. Well, my kids don't know that. You know what I'm saying? All they know is start the lawnmower and it bogs out and they pull it back and they're doing it. And, you know, two, three minutes of that and they're just knocking on the door going, Dad, it doesn't work and I can't do it. And this piece of junk lawnmower. And I'm like, it's not a piece of junk lawnmower. Dad doesn't hate you. You know, all this is you just got to understand. And I literally did this. I said, guys, I'm finishing something up. Just wait for a minute. Let me come out there and I'm going to show you how to do this. So they stop pull me into it. And I said, all right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to mow a little bit. You guys are going to rake. Logan, you put it in the bag and we're going to, and all of a sudden that us coming together and realizing that I can't do it by myself. And I'm going to pull the one in that has a plan and pull the one in that has the wisdom to know how to do it. So if you got to understand they that wait on God, those that realize that I can't do this on myself and they bind themselves to the Lord, the same, the same principle Take my yoke upon you. That the yoke was the, the, the two harnesses uh, that they would pull um, a plow or whatever with. And they would put it around two of the oxen. He's saying, I'll be right next to you as you go through it. We'll do this together. When you can't pull it, my strength will kick in and I'll pull you through when you can't do it. That will illustrate it. It's the same thing that we have going on in this passage. We'll, we'll touch on that a little more and some of these principles over, overlap, but we'll touch on that a little more. But I, I want to get in just to the practical aspects of this. So in Psalm 23, which most of you could probably just quote, and we look at that as God being the good shepherd and us being the dumb sheep. Okay, you might not like that, but if you're to study that out, that's what it's talking about. Sheep were the only animals that had to have a caretaker. If you left them by themselves, it, it, when they talk about the still waters, the sheep would just walk down in the water. Well, what would happen is their wool would just get soaked up the water and they would just fall over and they would drown. So they had to have the shepherd there. If, if the sheep were so dumb that if one sheep was following another sheep and one walked off a cliff, they would lose their entire herd because all the sheep would just go off the cliff. Guys, you cannot tell me that God did not pick the perfect illustration of sheep for us. He said, we would never do that. Our society does that all the time. You know, some celebrity or whatever could do something stupid or act a certain way or dress away. And our whole society goes, well, if that's what's cool, you know, boom, boom, you know, we just go right off the edge. Well, that was the illustration. He says, David said, yeah, I admit we're dumb sheep. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He takes care of me. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. So I don't want to 
I've done this before. I've gone through this passage. A lot of you might even have it in your mind of, of things that I've said before and stuff. And I, I'm, I'll clearly admit that, that this is something that if you've been in church any length of time, you've read and looked at a number of perspectives. But just for practical sense, let me point out, God was leading him every step of the way. He didn't take a step without the shepherd being there, which is part of what we were talking about, about waiting on the Lord and moving forward with God. And David, David clearly stated, he said, I am completely submitted to the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I'm not going to take a step without God. That's the principle here. He said, I've made the Lord the leader of my life. And what I've realized is I don't have a need. I I shall not want. I'm taken care of, if you put it that way. I'm totally satisfied. I have peace. I'm where I should be. I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. That's what Christ came to give us. So, Lord, you are my shepherd, day by day, walking in you, walking with you, too. When you lead me, I follow. When you stop, I stop. When you correct me, I listen and obey. When you make me stop, I'll rest. And when you bring me to green pastures, I'm going to know that it's time to, to eat. David stayed closely to the Lord when it comes to this. And, and if you were to do the same thing in our lives, and, and I'll get into the application here in a minute, it would be, Lord, help me to get to work every step of the way. Lord, help me to have a good attitude in the morning. Lord, what should I say today? Lord, what should I do in the meeting? How, how should I reply to this issue? How should I reply to this text? How can I help my spouse? Lord, what, what should I do when I get home? And my, my, I know my, I'm going to have to deal with my kids over this issue Lord, why don't I have peace? It's every step of the way. Help me. Lord, guide me. Lead me. Don't, don't let me make a step where I'm going to get in on my face and, and fall over or mess up. So notice what it says. Verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. If you want the I shall not one, you're thinking, yes, Lord, please Get me to that satisfied, refreshed, refueled. God said, okay, then this is what you have to do. Number one, we find resting. Now, I've, I've done this in the past. I'll do it again. I'll probably reference this next week. God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. God does not grow weary. He does not need to renew his strength. He is infant in his strength and in power and wisdom and all that. It doesn't run out. It doesn't get weak. It doesn't grow weary whatsoever. But it was an illustration. It wasn't a pattern that he set for us. But even this, this goes a little deeper than that. See, it, we have this passage to illustrate in our lives. If we're going to follow it, we've got to listen to what he says. And I love how it says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. See, we are always walking, going, doing things, running out of steam. And the shepherd would look back and say, all right. You know, you can imagine if they did it together or a team. And, I, I, you know, I know they did it different ways. But the shepherd would go, I think we've gone far enough for the day. Now, the sheep would probably be in their minds. Well, we, you know, I could keep going. I feel pretty good. But the shepherd knows more than the sheep. And the shepherd would turn around and say, all right, stop. I want to I make them rest at this time. Because I know more than they do. And at this time, they need to rest because that's what they need. You know what happens when you're not following the shepherd? You keep going. You go. And you go, and you go. And then eventually you get tired, and eventually you, you fall over. But if the shepherd's guiding us, it doesn't happen that way. See, God knows our limitation. Did you guys know every one of us in here have limitations? You can only do so much. You say, wait a minute, brother. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I agree. Amen. 
But I tell you, it's greater is he that is in you when the power of God is leading you to do what he leads you to do, not what you lead you to do. And I am finding that there's a lot of things that we have just totally stretched ourselves out. And we don't give our bodies the rest that we need or our minds the rest that you need. And did you guys know there is a thing of both? Your body not only needs the rest, your brain needs the rest. I, I, I can tell you even from a personal perspective of, of, of my job, my mind goes all the time. All the time. I'm either thinking about the, the drama that we're building the stage for tomorrow, or I'm thinking about, you know, the, the remodel that we're working on. I got an email on Friday on my day off, and I'm thinking, I don't want to look at it. I'm going to look at it. I, I shouldn't look at it. And so I ended up looking at it. And the city uh, has our plans. They've had the plans for like 20 days or 19, I don't, I don't know. And it had like 12, 13 things for corrections on the plans. And I'm like, no, and I, I can't even read the language of what they're talking about. And the architect will get it on Monday and they'll come back. And if you guys think about it, pray about that. And I am just like, my mind doesn't stop. Do you guys know it's not healthy for your brains not to stop and rest? And I tell you, he was diverting it. It's no longer traveling, it's resting. And it's no longer that you're worried about what you're doing, but where you're at. And spending time with the shepherd. See, the, the shepherd knew what they needed. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Notice what he says. This is what it brings you to. He restoreth my soul. Have you ever looked up and did a study of what the soul is? And I know I'm going to do this in the next service because it's just one of those days that they, they overlap in that. The soul is the body. It's, it's the part of you. It's, it's Tony, okay? It's, it's whoever you are. It's who you are. The, body, the Bible says, and he breathed into his body and man became a living soul or a living human. And there's another verses in scripture where it has the word soul and it also has the word body and they're interchangeable in the Greek of how, how it's defined like that. He restores me. He leads me to the path of righteousness to where I can keep going and do what's right and not get blinded and not get attacked by Satan. He leads me down those right paths. See, what he's saying is we need to refill our hearts. We need to refill our marriages. In order to give, you've got to get. In order to hand out, you've got to receive it. I, I want to expose a problem to, that we have. We simply get too busy and we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to stop. We know in our lives to go, 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 push, push, push. And people say, you know, I need to slow down and get some rest. And then he was like, I wish I could. I can't even stop. Well, if you're in that place and you can't rest, you can't keep going either. That's just a fact of life of how God made us. And we get irritated. We get irrational. And I'll tell you a reason that we often do that. I mean, I'm going to read a verse that the Lord has to remind me about. It's not even in your notes. Ephesians 6, 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as it is servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Do you know why we often go, go, go? It's not because God tells us to do it. It's because we are trying to please people or please ourselves. We've created agendas and habits and things and everything like that. We've got plans for our kids and we think, man, I want them to have this, this, and this. In reality, you never have dinner at home together because you're always running. It's either a, a, a practice or it's a place to be or whatever. 
And I'll tell you, I, I got into a habit for a while where I was sending my wife a text on a regular basis, hey, I'm probably not going to be home for dinner. I'm probably not going to be home for dinner. or I'm going to be home late. Or could you just stick something in the microwave? And you know what I realized? That I do better when I stop and I go home to be with my family because I'm telling you guys, I need my family and you guys need your family. And some of these things that we call old-fashioned, and I'm, I'm not saying some of you guys here and just say, well, that just does not work for me. The idea of spending time with your family, your spouse, or whatever it is, is something that God created. God created the home and the family and Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel way before he created jobs, government, schools, and institutions. Way before that. So let me show you where he leads you. He makes you stop. He makes you rest. He tells you to stop going. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And then he restores my soul. You know, he does that because he leadeth me beside the still waters. So let's look at the restoring or refreshing or however you want to look at it. It brings us to the idea of drinking. We talk about giving and the fact that we sow the seeds of the gospel or we give of our time and give and it shall be given unto you. And the idea of going to work and you give of your energy and coming home and you give of your time and you give of your love and all these things, it's constantly coming out of you. God said, you know what, the thing is you're going to be dehydrated as a Christian. And he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you refresh or bring back into your body the things that it needs in order to keep going. Thirsty. He restoreth my soul. He refreshes my soul. He refills my soul. It means to recover my soul. He rescued my soul or he brings it back again. Isn't it amazing how you can be exhausted and get a good night's rest and a meal and wake up and get ready to do it again? Do you know who created that principle? It was God. Uh, I'm tired, I sleep, I rest, I eat, and then I go back at it again. And, and just a reminder of what drains you. Problems with no answer or deadlines or people-pleasing. Schedules that have no breaks within them. Overloading our minds um, will, will, will drain you. When, you. when you can't fit everything in, it drains you. My, my kids and I, have any of you guys heard of a, a breakout room. Have any of you guys seen that or heard of that? That's in Columbus. So, all right. So me and my boys did a guy's retreat uh, a week and a half ago. And we went to date and we went to the Air Force Museum and we did stuff like that. And part of our trip of our guys thing is we paid to be locked up. We did. It's, uh, you go to a breakout room and you pick a theme of whatever it is and you get locked in this room for an hour. And it's, there's puzzles on the wall and there's all these things and there's themes of whatever. And ours was there was an outbreak and we're in this laboratory and there's all these uh, white coats and, uh, you know, all the beakers and all this, you know, stuff and the, the charts on the wall. And you had to go over and figure out this puzzle and then it opened up a box and in the box was a key that opened up a cabinet. Inside the cabinet was all these uh, magnets and you put the magnets on the uh, this chart on the wall and it spelled out a number and that opened up another key and and you just go through all these things well we got down to the end of it we only had one puzzle left and there's this giant clock on the wall and I was fine man I was just chilling and it was cool and all of a sudden it clicked on 59 seconds 58 seconds 50 and the pride of me was like I am not gonna walk out of here and tell people I did not do this and I am, I'm getting so razzled and worked up. And I'm like, come on, boys, let's do this. Let's figure this out. Go, 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 do, 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 do. You know, and, I'm, and all of a sudden, because I had the pressure on me, my brain shut down. 
We had to figure out these things and put these dates in order and then, then you put the, had to put the names of the person in alphabetical order and then you flipped over the medicine tops and it spelled out a number. Inside there was a key to get us out. And we got locked in and I lost. I'm a loser, okay? I hated it. We even had to go out to the lobby and hold up a sign and get our picture taken saying we didn't do it. You know, it was like, I'm a loser. It didn't say I'm a loser, but man, that was in my brain over and over again. Isn't it amazing how when pressure is on you like that in life and you, you can't accomplish it, you feel, you feel it. I, I know this is for a fact because when, when I have my list of what I feel like I need to do as a pastor and I don't get it done, I go home defeated. Finally, my wife and I were out one time and she said, what is wrong with you? And I said, I'm, I'm tired of feeling like I'm always losing. I'm tired of feeling like I'm always behind. I always disappoint. I can never get it done. Any of you guys ever been that way? You know what I'm saying? Where you go to bed and say, I was going to get all the laundry done tonight and I never even got to it. I promised myself I was going to make dinner and I ordered pizza again. You know what I'm saying? I I said I have a day off and I was going to clean out the garage and instead I made a bigger mess in the garage. And you just get to the point where like, man, I am, I'm not good enough. I, I am horrible. You know what I realized? That we load up our wagons. And we look at God and say, why do I have this? And God said, I don't know because I didn't give it to you. Men pleasers. Pressure's on. We give, we give, we give. And God said, what are you taking in? I asked you the question, what, what fills you? What fills you? Because I, I have learned when you stop and you go by the rivers of water the way that God told you to and, and you get to the point where you don't have time for church, God says, I, I, that's, a, that's a fueling station for you. It's not the only fueling station. It shouldn't be, but it is. The fellowship that you get from other Christians, the joy that you get from worshiping God, the joy that you get from having somebody else study the word of God and share with you something that's going to help you. To walk out in the hallway and have somebody put their arm around you and say, man, I've been thinking about you all week. I love you. That, that, that refills you or restores you. And let me tell you, that was God's plan. And I know I'm looking at it from the perspective of there's a sheep and it stops and drinks water. And God says, well, think about what you are. Think about the living water. When, when the woman at the well and Jesus comes up and says, hey, I'll give you drink that you'll never have to thirst again. Give me that drink. Let me tell you, the next day physically, she got out a glass and got a drink of water. But spiritually, she found something that Jesus satisfies. And what we have to realize is that you have got to put into your life things that will feed your heart and soul. Whether it's stopping at the end of the day to read your Bible, driving down the road and having a CD with the, 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 the Bible. I've got the Bible on CD and sometimes when I've got a driver, I'm going to the hospital, whatever, I, I can get so wrapped up and they even have some of the Bible that it's got the voices that they change the people's voices as they're reading the Bible and stuff like that. And it's a little more, but it's just, you've got to refill your heart and mind. And if you don't, I tell you, there's some people in our church that you, you go and you do and you do and you do. And you, you go from junior church to Sunday school to greeting in the hallway to back out doing all these things. If you don't just stop, you just, well, I'm a mature Christian. You might be, but you're still human. God didn't create you not to be refilled or recharged. And if you got the mindset that you don't need it, man, you put yourself above what God said. Because when God said, stop, drink, don't go any further, you better learn to stop and drink and not go any further. And I'm going to ask you right now, how many of you 
have that in your life? How many of you put that in your life? How many of you are practicing those things of refueling your life because you're going to get so weak and weary that you will fall apart? And I, I promise you that. But we roll into one last thing, and, and I know we're not going to have time for this, um, but I'll, I'll just get started on it, and we'll fig, pick this up next week. And this is a big one. It, it's, it's not only stopping and resting, and, and that is biblical, spiritual, emotional. It's not only taking in and refueling and, and the Word of God and preaching and fellowship and worship and all those other things that you need to feed your heart. But I, I can also tell you what refuels you, recharges you, is taking off the weight. Removing. It says, wherefore, Hebrews 12, 1, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about us, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And then it says, and let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us. Just so you guys know, your calling as believers is to run. It's to run. God has given us zeal and passion and jobs and ministry is not to be passive. I think with the different things that God has given us, whatever you do, do it with all your might. If we're in a race and we've got a goal to get to, I want to do it with all my might. There's a reason that even with church right now that we've got a goal and I'm sitting up before you saying, hey, this afternoon at 2.30 and tonight at 4 or 5.30 and the different things and stuff. Man, I've got a goal. I want to give the gospel. I want to do it to the very best of our ability. And, and there's a goal set before us. But your job is to run. But he said very clearly, if you're going to run, the only thing that you can do is you've got to learn to lay aside, not the sin. Did you see that it says lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us? But this principle is powerful. This principle that we're going to learn, and then we're going to also learn next week about maintenance. What needs to regularly be put into your life? Now, I'm not talking about repair work. When you drive out of, you know, whatever, Firestone, and you get your car fixed, they're going to say, this is what you need to do. You need to check your oil. You need to be airing up your tires. These are just maintenance things. There's things that all of us need to be doing on a regular basis to keep ourselves going.